I kind of want to start today by um, saying where we're going because uh, with, with, with this word. So you can make a choice, really, as to whether to pay attention or to stare at the tiles. Because if you know where I'm going to end up, you can make a choice of whether you want to listen or not. But in reality, what my prayer and hope is, is that um, this will answer many of the questions that are very much in us as a church, as a people. I'm going to be speaking. I've interrupted, actually. I, I need to say this. I've interrupted the program on the gospel to bring this word that I've been given I wasn't supposed to be speaking today. People have kindly given way to, to, to me to allow me to speak uh, on three t- occasions in the next four weeks, or five weeks, I think it is. Um, three separate messages. They're interrupted by our visiting speakers and a couple of other things that are happening, but um, God has clearly spoken into us as a church. As an eldership, we sense God's word clearly to us. That is truly remarkable. And I'm coming to you today and saying, I, I am praying that you can really, really hear this because many of you have heard the kind of message of a new day and a new start and a new thing so many times you couldn't possibly write down how many times you've heard it. So I need you, I need you to be able to say, Tim, yes, I am prepared to listen again. Please, please, all right? Because we are convinced as elders that God is speaking to us about our future together. And it is a matter of speaking about our repositioning as a church. And that repositioning, yes, you're going to start to make all sorts of conjecture about what that means. But let me take you there. Don't speculate just can go with me as, you, uh, as I seek to uh, lay to, out to you what God is saying. Today is the first of those three words that God spoke. and that, uh, It comes from Psalm 133. And um, what we see in Psalm 133 is a conversation, really, with a psalmist and with God about how we are supposed to be together. As a church, are inward. What's going on in, in, in us? Uh, and that's why it's called our indisposition. And you're going to say, what a strange expression to use, Tim. Sounds a bit very woolly, as if I've swallowed a dictionary. Our inward disposition. And the reason I've used disposition is because of this repositioning for growth. It's about our position. The word position is the important thing here. What are we, what's our position together? Where are we together? And as I say, it's part of three. So um, I need to show you the three. The first one, our disposition, how we are with each other, and most exciting of all, hopefully today the most important thing you'll get is what the consequences are of if we get that bit right. I tell you, it's been, been a revelation for me about how important this particular connection is between how we are with each other and the effect of that on a spiritual level. So... At our, the today's our, our position together. Next time we, we're talking together, it was going to be our exposition. Again, I'm kind of slightly abusing the word. Exposition, exposition is kind of what we um, demonstrate to the world. An exposition is often like a um, an exhibition, isn't it? You know, we had expo was and it's a, an exhibition. It's what we demonstrate to the world out there. So, and the disposition is what's happening in. The exposition is what's going out 
okay, so how we are with the world. So the second element, and we're going to be looking at a passage in Isaiah 58 uh, that come to it. And the third is our reposition. The journey of faith we're going to be embarking on together in 2010, 2010, however you want to say it. So, disposition, exposition, position. Three words. And today we're looking at the first of those in Psalm 133. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 133, that'd be really good. And he's discovered he's left his Bible over there somewhere, I think. Actually, I think I left it in the committee room. Yep, I can. I'm off my notes. So there we go. Psalm 133. Wonderful, wonderful uh, verses. I wonder what different versions we've got. Um, I'm going to be reading it from uh, uh, a version. I think it might be the NASB. It's um, different to the NIV. And I'm, I'm glad because of one particular word in verse 3, which is better in the NASB than it is in the NIV. So um, I'll read what I've got here. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Commanded the blessing. blessing. Life forevermore. Now, again, we've got a, a, we've got a scripture here, like the ones you've heard before about newness and things, which is so familiar to you. Everybody in this room has heard probably that psalm before. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And it's very, it will be extremely easy for you to take this theme, okay, he's going to talk about us being more united together. Okay? Being better with each other. Yes, to an extent I am. But no, it is not simply a word about unity. If you come from today thinking Tim spoke about unity, you will not have heard me. I am not speaking about just unity. The kind of idea of churches and, um, and people, Christians you know, working together. It's not just about that. This psalm goes far, far beyond that. Far beyond that. And it's in that that I'm so excited, really, in the way in which it speaks into our position as a church, as a community of God's people. It is a psalm. It is a psalm about the experience and consequences of people who live like that. It is not just an exhortation to do so. It is a psalm about the consequences of doing so. You are, like me, always crying out to God and saying, why do we not see the breakthrough in the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our meetings, in healing, in power, in change in our world and in our lives today? Is that not a cry in your heart? Yes, it's a cry in my heart. I am not satisfied. I refuse to be satisfied whilst I see people out there lost in darkness, people that I love and sit with sickness and disease, situations like Haiti that really spit in the face of a sovereign, powerful God who we can see change our world. 
And I look at, I look at a verse, verses like Psalm 133, and there is a promise in there. There is a, the, the, the kind of embryo of something truly wonderful in there. There's something which, if we can get hold of truly, and I don't think I have yet, there's something in there that I think is very, very, very important. How do I get us there to understand and explain this? Well, I want to start off by talking about the first bit. It says, how good, how pleasant it is. How good and pleasant it is. Now, (laughs) if we look at uh, the, the verses a bit more, it then goes on to say, when brothers dwell together in unity... I'd like you just to reflect for a minute about your relationship with any siblings you have, any brothers or sisters, okay? How good, how pleasant it is. Is your relationship with your brothers and sisters, or has it always been wonderfully pleasant and good? Did you ever fight? I don't know if have hands up. Anybody want to own up to fighting with their brothers and sisters? (laughs) Not since we've grown up. Like, okay, reflect into the Word of God then and go to the Bible. Well, you don't know how to actually physically turn there, but I'd like you to consider the earliest accounts of relationships between brothers and sisters, or brothers particularly. What's the first account of a relationship with a brother? Good one, isn't it? <laughs> right? Okay. That's a good start for a relationship. Of a, I would describe that as a good and pleasant relationship. Okay, that come to mind as being in, for, uh, early in the Esau and Jacob they, were, they did well didn't they okay. Joseph we're immediately thinking about all those relationships Actually, thinking to myself of course it's not all bad it doesn't seem for the most part that Shem, Ham and Jacob are too bad they seem to get on alright didn't they I'm thinking um, yeah <laughs> Yes, they spent, yes they, they did the Christmas thing, locked together in one place for a long time. Yes, so they did very well. They must have got over the, the, all the difficulties. But if you look at a church community, you know, it, it, I'm not, not going to say we're murdering each other, but um, it can feel at times almost as difficult as it is with our brothers and sisters. You know, we've been placed together, and we know that it's a good thing. Everybody in this room is, is clear, I think, that it's a good thing. That's what All right? It's a good thing for people to get together. You've come and you've sat, you know, Trisha sat next to, to, to Toots. Catherine's all on her own, because that's where she was sitting before. <laughs> we're, we're sitting together in a room together, and it's a good thing. I'm not sure it's always a pleasant thing. Not always. Yes. I'm really delighted to hear it. But my experience as a pastor tells me otherwise. Okay. We, as we live together, expectations are uh, uh, things that we see in each other. They, they, they get on and nerves sometimes. The way other people do things, set out the tea coffees, do the music, however it is. You know, I have to why don't we sing songs like this why don't we sing songs like that why don't we do this why don't we do that 
get different people's opinions. And we're all doing this thing of, of being together. And it's a good thing, but it isn't always. It isn't. It isn't always a pleasant thing. Just to develop that a minute and say that, of course, there are many good things... And they don't, um, but they're not always pleasant. Can you ever think of other, th- other good things that are, uh, are not pleasant? Medicine. Very good. Medicine. It's a good thing, but it's not pleasant. Always. Discipline. Discipline is a good thing, but it's not always a pleasant thing. And then the other one that I thought of was exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I have a gym membership to Alec, you know, I have a gym membership. Did you notice I didn't say it? <laughs> no, I do. Sometimes. <laughs> These are all good, but they're not always present. And aside, an aside for you. Let's just flip it the other way for a minute. One thing we are also sure of, that pleasant things that are not good. Pleasant things that are not good. Well, actually, see, it's you've said that. You've said that, but you're going to like what I say next. Pleasant things which are not good are sin. Okay? All right? That, that would be a, not a bad definition of sin. We, most of us enjoy doing things. I mean, let's, let's forget the chocolate for a minute. I will put that up on the side. I don't know, I don't know what we do about that one for the minute. Um, uh, actually, you know, because to, to a limited extent, things like chocolate and stuff, they're all right, aren't they? Just a little bit. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit. It's the uh, excess side of things. So there is, there, there is a bit of that. Anyway, I, I was an aside. I don't want to go too far on that one. This psalm, however, Psalm 133, on this good and pleasant thing, what this psalm is saying is, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together. We are getting in this psalm, he says, hopefully, when we get there, the double cornet. (laughs) The double cornet of good and pleasant. It's good and pleasant when brothers dwell together. Now, Hang on a minute. How have I changed that suddenly? I've just said it isn't good and pleasant. So there must be about something about the next bit which helps us. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. So there must be a clue in this next bit. Okay, so because I could have said, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers hit each other over the head. We know that that wouldn't be true. saying is behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. So we're we're obviously on the road here to something that's very special and important about this time spent um, dwelling uh, together in unity. And um, I asked God about this and I found myself considering the difference between spending time in each other's company spending time in each other's company and dwelling together in unity. And God clearly revealed to me that there is a difference between those two things. Spending time in each other's company 
could be at a local council meeting or on a football field or in any other social context. What this is about is something very different. It's about dwelling together. Clearly, the good and pleasant thing is simply more than attending meetings, sitting in a chair next to somebody else. It's a start. It is a start. But it's not what God is talking about. And if we can grasp living and dwelling in unity, it's not only an important theological, biblical principle. I have to say to every single one of you, I think it is God's word to Living Word Community Church today and for 2010. All right? Dwelling together in unity. I want us to have a look very quickly. I wonder if I put it... Yes, I did. Um, Psalm 84 is one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. And I read it this morning, didn't I, in, uh, when we were praying together beforehand. And um, in... I forgot what verse it is. I think it's about verse 4. <clears throat> it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Dwell. It's a word that means to stay, to stay, to rest, to live, who dwell in your house. And in fact, the psalmist in in Psalm 84, he actually uses one of those little devices, doesn't he? Uh, Does it have in yours, Daniel? Does it have the word selah after that in in Psalm 84? Um, Psalm 84, it's, it's blessed are those who dwell in your presence. Selah. Salah means pause. What that's telling us is, I want you to consider, take this in, consider it, chew it over, be there. This is important. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. There's something important about dwelling To dwell in God's house means not to go there, but to stay there, to make it your home. In fact, the psalmist goes on further on and says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He's very clear about where his dwelling is going to be. He's going to dwell there. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere dwelling is the place you really want to be it's God intended intended purpose for us that we dwell yes dwell both in his presence and in unity with our brothers and sisters within the church now I know I said it a minute ago that when we dwell when we choose to dwell we begin to spark off each other I talked about it a minute ago those little frustrations those things sometimes big frustrations that end church you know, we get this sparking going on. In the Bible, you know, that's turned around and talked about in a positive way. It describes it as brothers, iron sharpening iron. The idea that you have a sword, and as you, as you mix with each other, as you spark with each other even, as you work things through, you continue and you sharpen each other. I don't know about you, but I've been in, I've been in Bible studies or in walk, on walks with some of you guys, and I have been changed and built up and encouraged hugely by those times. 
No, I know that. Sometimes, you know, we get together and it's nice and we go, that was lovely, I enjoyed that. But there's something different that God is calling us to. Iron sharpening iron. Dwelling together. And it's talking about unity. I'm going to do something now. Okay. Because, you see, the word unity... You think, oh, I'm going to do this. The word unity, um, for me, I thought when I was looking at that, it was going to be talking about peace. Uh, uh, brothers and uh, sisters dwell in peace with each other. It would be the same kind of shalom word, in wholeness. But it isn't at all. It's not a kind of a, a word of rest at all, that word. It's a word of action. When the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, it's not a word about... Oh, hi, it's nice to be here. Lovely to have you. Oh, I just love you so much. And it is, yes, but actually, sorry? Communicate. There's going to be an agreement. We've got to agree. It's an active thing. You know, the word is used sometimes to talk about um, uh, plows and oxen teams in the Bible. It's that kind of idea. It's also used to talk about guys that are going into battle together. You know, that idea of a unit that's forged together, works together, is a team together. We know that we're a part of something that's important together. We're in harness together. Okay? Now, I have to ask you the question, do you feel like that about being part of Living Word Community Church? That is a very fundamental question that you're going to go away from today asking yourself. Do you feel as if you're in harness that we're on a journey together, working together on something which is of eternal value, an eternal purpose? Or are we just coming and enjoying? Yes, it's good. We need some help with this. We know we need some help. Three, three passages of Scripture. One, Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 it's that passage, you don't need to necessarily look them up, I'm just going to go through them very quickly because of time. Let us not give up meetings together. How we can stir one another up to love and good deeds. But do you know something, I saw something at the beginning of the passage. It, um, so if I can find that, I better, better look for it. It says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way, open for us through the curtain... That is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Okay, so that's the ground. I want you to hold that if you can do this kind of thing. I don't know whether how good you are at it. What I tend to do is I stick it in my head up on a corner somewhere. I want you to think about it. It's above that curtain rail. What's the grounds for us um, being in fellowship and harmony? Because of what Jesus, the great high priest, well, gone through the curtain and made it possible. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And some of you may go ahead of me and looking at the passage in Psalm 133 and start making connections about why I'm going there in a minute. Because of the great high priest, we are able, because of what he has done, we are able to um, be a people together. We wouldn't be able to stir one another up to love and good deeds unless that had happened. Why? Because we wouldn't receive it. We wouldn't accept. Brenda brings encouragements to me often, which I know that if, um, she, I, if I didn't have Jesus in my life, 
I'd be thinking, no, what's this, what's this person doing that for? I would, they wouldn't have any meaning. But it's my life, some of those words. Sometimes you don't realise what we do for each other. People write things and they send us a text or a card and it changes our day, our week, our life, doesn't it? We look at them and we think, wow, I'm loved. I'm cared for. Consider how we might stir up. It's not just, of course, in words, but in deeds too. Then there's that uh, Acts passage. So powerful. Acts 2.42 speaks of the quality of the disciples' unity. It's something inspired by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. There's a Holy Spirit thing that came upon the people that helps with unity. So I've talked about the ground, if you like, the, 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 the reason why. And then it seems to me, too, that we have uh, the Holy Spirit coming and helping us. And again, I'm going to be talking about that a bit more in a minute. But this is wonderful passage. Um, I think it's in, yes, Matthew 18. It says, um, um, Matthew 18, Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth, what's the word? Agree on anything, about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Do you see, I hope you begin to see the power of this psalm. In that Matthew passage, we have an important principle that we've struggled with before. It seems to be saying that if we agree about something, it will happen. And yet we struggle so often. I'm not for one minute standing here and suggesting that the answer to all the issues about whether people get healed or not is because we got to be in agreement. No. God is sovereign and he chooses. But I think one key feature about the uh, effectiveness of us as a people is that if we are in agreement together, things will change. If we are dwelling in agreement together, how much more they will change. God, through the psalmist, wants to communicate with us about the amazing, powerful consequences of what we've looked at so far. He actually chooses two ways of communicating Wonderful ways. Go back to Psalm 133 if you're not already there and look at the two different ways in which he communicates. And the first one, but I wanted to demonstrate something. Here's some olive oil, okay? And I'm going to pour this in, okay? Now, it flows. You see it flow. And as I do this, it's flowing. Now, if I heated the pan up a bit, it would flow even more, wouldn't it? it would. But I want you to see that it's flowing. Can you see that? And it covers the pan. And, and, and the, the point about that, of, uh, I, I wanted you to see it physically, not just you know, in that sense of, oh yes, there's nice words. I'll put it, I'll put it down. But the, the idea that the oil will flow, the flowing oil, these images in Psalm 133, I believe, are very, very important to us. You know, you all know, having done that illustration, that it, uh, you don't have to be the greatest biblical scholar in this room to know that the, holy, uh, the oil has a connection with the Holy Spirit, yes? It's a principle that, was, as Christians, we've often established that the oil and the Holy Spirit are considered to be pictures, one and the other. It's, uh, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And 
the way in which it's described there is, is truly astonishing because it starts off with this idea if, if the psalmist, I'll try again, if the psalmist had said, I'll put a block of soap on the top of this guy's head, we'd have a very, very different picture, wouldn't we? It's not the same as pouring oil and it flowing down. Okay? And we, 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 so we have this image, the Holy Spirit flowing. And as we dwell... In unity, as we agree together and the Holy Spirit comes in, the impact of that begins to change us, it begins to move, begins to uh, impact us. If we will allow it, if we will allow us to, to be changed by the Holy Spirit, I'm convinced it works. I know it does. I've seen it. The, the bonds of unity between us bonds of agreement will actually be reinforced as we allow that oil to flow among us. He, in, the, in the psalm, it uses this idea of the oil flowing down, first of all on the head, then the beard, and then the collar of the robe. And then it, start, it gets really exciting at that point. Because up to then, this guy could have been, you know, um, anybody. Couldn't he? This, this guy who uh, the oil was no, no indication up to that point about who this is. It says it's a precious ointment, precious oil. And my word, I've, I've spent some time in study on this and I have chosen, guys, to not talk to you about the precious oil. There's a whole sermon, there's a whole thing on the precious oil. We could spend time on there. But I'm not. I'm just going to concentrate on who this is. Because then we've got, who is it? Who is this man? Aaron. It's Aaron. Who is Aaron? The high priest. Why was Aaron chosen? What's the story? What happened? Moses said what? Oh, I can't do it. I can't speak. And God said, okay, I will use Aaron as my mouthpiece. I will speak through him. Okay. Up here, above the pelmet, what have I got? Go back to Hebrews. The ground of our ability to relate to each other is because of what Jesus has done as a high priest going through the veil, opening the way for us to go by the Holy Spirit. There he is being anointed a priest he is God's mouthpiece and as we allow the Holy Spirit to move through us as we allow this to happen in our lives guys as we choose to make this dwelling together in unity a reality we are we become the mouthpiece of God to each other that's one of the amazing things this is a consequence a consequence, direct consequence of dwelling together in unity. We become that mouthpiece to each other of God. We bring God's word to each other. And we hear God's word. And not only, as we'll see when we look further on, in the next passage we'll look at together, when we look at our exposition, our, um, it's also something that happens because of this. There's, because of this very same 
spirit at work in us, because of this high priesthood, the priesthood that we have as believers, we also are God's mouthpiece to the world as well. Our dwelling in unity is a prophetic statement of God's word to those around us. How will they but know? How will they know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another? It's a prophetic word to the world. We can infer from this account that we can expect the anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow prophetically as a direct consequence of the unity of God's people. I'll say that sentence again because it's one of the key ones I wanted you to understand. We can, from this account, infer that we can expect the anointing of the Holy Holy Spirit to flow prophetically as a direct consequence of the unity of God's people. It has a question in our minds. If we are not seeing that, one of the reasons for that may be that we are not in harness with each other as God intends us to be. Now, I could be accused of over-interpretation with that, but um, on the basis of just that one verse, but what we re- when we reflect, we see that it's not just one picture that he uses, but two. He uses a second image, Psalm 133. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on Mount Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Okay, a bit of context. Um, very quick Mount Hermon Mount Hermon is at the top of Israel it's the northern border it defi- defined it's a, a mountain range actually I'm not going to go too far with that it's a high mountain mountain range at the top of Israel and it is very high you can see it here this is the, the, the valleys below this is Mount Hermon here it's very very high I've forgotten the height I was supposed to I wrote it down but it wasn't important enough um but it also, what happens is, what Jordan, how Jordan exists. Jordan exists, the river Jordan exists because of the floodwaters and the springs that come from Hermon. Now if you want to start developing that spiritually, you know, the, all the role that the river Jordan plays in the spiritual life of Israel, you start getting very excited. But I'm not going there. You want to do that, a Bible study on the significance of the springs of Hermon feeding the river Jordan, you do that. But for the minute, for now, I just want you to understand that if I walked in these valleys and hills, I'd get very wet. Because on a morning, it would be full of dew. I'd get soaking wet walking through those. And I can imagine the psalmist remembering, may have been David, of course, um, the psalmist walking through those fields, you know, tending his sheep, and his robe here, up to here, is soaking wet from the grass. Well, that picture of being soaking wet from the dew. If you go to Jerusalem, which is much lower down, in fact, down below there, <laughs> um, you get to the Judean hills. And the Judean hills are very dry. And uh, in that, we see a picture that we have the blessing of God, the refreshment of the Holy Spirit in this image. We, we've seen the river used many times as a picture again of the Holy Spirit, haven't we? The refreshment of the Holy Spirit being poured onto a dry place. 
I'd like you to just reflect for a moment on the, on the power of that. It's an amazing image. The psalmist is bringing together the natural fertility of Hermon and the spiritual fertility which is represented by Mount Zion. It's the spiritual heart of Israel, Jerusalem. And he's pouring that dew, that rain, down upon us. What does this show us? We combine together all our natural gifting with what God's done with us spiritually and working together in harness together. We will see something amazing because the next bit of the psalm is the consequence. What does God say? What does he do? It's what it reminds me of is the beginning, the very, very beginning when God said, let there be light. You get a sense of it being a command. Let there be light. You get a sense of it here. Let there be blessing. Let there be blessing. He commands life in Genesis. He breathes into the man and creates life. In John 10.10, 10, he says, life to the full. The same life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, on that, on that morning when uh, the women went to the tomb, there was an earthquake. That same life, that same life commanded by God. That same life that saved thousands on the day of Pentecost, commanded by God. That same life that healed many more. That same life that saved you and me. And that same life that he is commanding into us as a people as we dwell together in unity. In a moment we're going to break bread together as a demonstration of that. And we're going to worship together where we draw our children back because they are in harness with us too. Each one of us brings what we are able and what God has revealed to us, I know. But never let it be said that we sit there and just say, okay, this is good, but it ain't pleasant. Lord, let it be that it's good and pleasant. Let it be that we see life. Pour your life on us, O oh God. I've got a conclusion here which I'll read because I think it's important. Whilst recognizing the sovereignty of God, and it is he who commands the blessing, there does seem to be a direct connection between the unity and fellowship of God's people and the release of the flow of the Holy Spirit in power to bring life where there is death. A people dwelling in unity are an anointed people, anointed for a blessing commanded by God. Father, I thank you for this word to us. I thank you, Lord, that you're speaking again into our lives.
We're speaking again clearly and firmly about what it is that we're supposed to be like. Lord, and the amazing, wonderful consequences of living like this together. To say yes to you. And as we draw together in worship, I pray that we would know your presence with us. As we honour you again, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's uh, draw our kids back in. We'll break bread together and move into worship.